time when movies are delayed and everything is being rebooted, a group of heroes is about to shake up the status quo. This year, get ready. Your favorite one and done films are getting a sequel. No movie is safe. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No! I, I've told you before, not all movies are safe. If it's had a sequel, I told you we're not doing it. Yeah, alright. Okay, 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 okay. Fan critical. Yeah, and none of this fucking prequel bollocks either. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, alright, Jesus. God, okay. Anyway, Fan Critical presents Not All Sequels Are Created Equal. Coming to all podcast platforms right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the second <laughs> episode of Not All Sequels Are Created Equal. Uh, Jesus. The the fan critical team is buzzing today because we just got through to the semi-finals mm. of Euro 2020. So yeah. everyone get excited. Yeah, boy. Yeah. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming got the world in motion. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Classic. there may be some sore heads in the crew today. Um, oh, very sore. Very sore, very, sore very tired, but very happy, very happy team. Yeah. Um, so if you Jubilant. have not listened to the first episode of Ecstatic. Not All Sequels Are Created Equal, then let me tell you what it's all about. Uh, I'm sure that at times you have seen a uh, number of films Get on with where it. you think <laughs> there should be a sequel to this and there isn't and i could do a really good job of it so what we've decided mm. to do uh-huh. is to run uh basically a, a podcast series competition pitching sequels to films that don't already have one uh and voting mm-hmm. as a team as to who wins that particular week or month as it is actually in the schedule uh, and eventually there'll be an overall winner of not all sequels are created equal and their prize will be pride They'll get pride. Yeah. That's it. Oh, lovely. Um, pride. London we should pride. organise a actual prize. The European Championship Trophy. Yeah, that's what you <laughs> get. That's what you get is you get the Euros trophy. Uh, so mm. last episode, we had John and Lucy pitching their sequels to us. This week, uh, it's, a, it's an Australian pitch off. Pitch off. Crikey. Pitch off. Oh, uh, between young Ripper. aspiring screenwriter Gareth and uh, Len. So uh, <laughs> we have got the whole crew here again this week. I want to be veteran director, please. I refuse to give you all that credit, Len. Uh, so we've got we've got a full mm. team here to judge the sequels. Uh, so we've got our costume designer, John. Oh, hold on, what's going on here? Why am I doing that? <laughs> I don't know. You made me laugh I'd, this morning. I'd, I would be the better one. It's important. I'd be like the Weinstein of the group. You're that would be me. <laughs> I'd be yeah. the fucking costume designer. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Jesus. I'd rather be Weinstein than the costume designer. So John Weinstein. No, don't call. Don't that. actually call me that. Jesus, <laughs> hell. like sort of like him, like a successful one that doesn't go a bit mental. Yeah, but anyway, that doesn't do. I'll take the. Bad. I'll take the costumes. Hello, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably safe. <laughs> <laughs> and more. Zip me up, John. Zip me up. Uh, third assistant producer Lucy. Uh, say hello, cool. Lucy. Yep. Uh, and Hi. I, I'm, I am your tea runner, <laughs> Emma. Um, but for all other intents and purposes, yeah. I'm the one who's allegedly in charge of this shit. Um, what definitely, are you doing here? Definitely <laughs> underqualified. Uh, don't know why I'm in charge. Uh, but we are very, yeah. 
Very this isn't tea. Here. This is paint, you stupid girl. <laughs> yeah. Why are you so feeding me paint? <laughs> uh, but we, I'm very excited to hear the pitches from our aspiring screenwriters this morning. Um, I mm. would like to offer out the first pitch uh, for one of you to choose if you'd like to go first uh, before we judge what Love it is off. that you're going to provide us today. Hmm. I was weighing this up in the car earlier on my drive back from a lunch and I was like, well, should I go first or should I go second? And I said, what would I prefer? All right, you're going to go first. I've decided for you. There we go. Len, you are no. up first. Please, pitch no. us your sequel. Okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, tell okay, us, tell us I, all about so it. I d- can I just say, hopefully on, your film, your mm. script is better than that crappy little anecdote that you just came up with about <laughs> deciding whether to go first or second. There's no sequel to that. It's better, John. Now, John, I will say this to you now. I know that you're angry at me um, for last week. And anyone who listened to the first episode of uh, Not All Sequels will know that I chose Lucy over John, okay. uh, giving Lucy the first victory of the season. Now, the John anger, has been very John. mad at me. Didn't he's, even choose the no, film. He's been, he's, he's admits been saying... It, admits it. I, choose, I chose Lucy mean? over John. Not even the films <laughs> or the pictures. Um, yep. Right. So I just want you to know, John, it was nothing personal. And the thing is, I will say, I've tried to have a bit of fun with this this week. This um, is already chaos. I could have gone super serious. <laughs> I, I know. I could have gone super serious, uh, but I didn't. And I, I've gone for something uh, which I see as a, as a summer blockbuster. I see it as having mass appeal. And I see it as being a trilogy. I'm actually going to go through the story and then you can try and figure out what the the, the film is a sequel to and we'll run through some specifics at the end if that's okay please uh, and thank you costume designer third assistant producer and tea runner <laughs> so oh, here, goes, <laughs> here, go, here goes here uh, goes the, <laughs> the puppet masters here goes the pitch for my sequel <clears throat> let's put some music in here it's coming home it's coming <laughs> you're hired I choose you <laughs> Imagine that. Okay. We open with a line of voiceover over a sprawling shot of the Nevada desert. A long time ago, I thought I had a friend. For years, I told myself that summer was the most magical time of my life. I know what this is. I yearned for him to return. How little did I know, yeah, I think I know that his return could be the end of us all. Oh no, I know what it is. A huge shadow now appears over the expansive desert, slowly engulfing everything in darkness. A rogue military base stands alone, sirens alerting the soldiers to their posts. They fire anti-aircraft ballistics at the large object looming over them, but before they can properly defend themselves, a huge cataclysmic pulse of energy incinerates everything in sight. breeze pushes debris around the now charred and scorched desert, thousands of bodies partially melted and burnt, bloodying the sand. The object moves onwards. Now, just, I'm, I'm sorry, I know this is this is poor form. I don't, uh, I don't mean to interrupt. I don't mean to interrupt. This is, but, out, this is unbelievable. But, but can I just say, I sent a message about a week ago saying, hey, team, do you think we should send a message to somebody to say which <laughs> film we're doing to make sure that we don't do the same film? Oh my and god, have I you got the same pitch? Rejected. I was told, no, re- really unlikely, <laughs> don't bother. Right. 
I will tell you this. I will, t- <laughs> I'll tell you this. You said yours was an indie film that you only saw two tell years you ago to me yesterday. I changed film. mine two days ago. Two days ago, when you told me that you were doing a mainstream movie, I went. Do you know what? I'm really worried. Yeah. I changed it last second. <laughs> Unbelievable. So what's the problem then? You changed it. Hold on. The the film titles are going to be different, I'm sure. And the stories are going to be different. So don't worry about it. Mine started off exactly the same as that. Same words (laughs) and everything. Okay. (laughs) Did it? Okay. As the tea runner in charge, I'd just like to say it would have been great if you'd both done actually done the same sequel, given it's the two of you and having to be in competition against each other for that. But um, you are right in a way, Gaz, that we probably should check that. Lucy and I experienced this too. Uh, But Len, thank you for that introduction. Uh, Please continue your pitch. So, charred desert, bloody bodies, right? <laughs> I'm there. Object moves on. We cut to a mini league baseball game. A child swings and misses. Strike three, you're out. A rowdy parent gets annoyed at the mini league coach and begins to yell at him. Elliot, why does your son get to play when he can't even make first? Put my boy in there. <laughs> Elliot takes no notice and comforts his son as he trudges off the plate. Don't worry, son. You'll get him next time. Dad, I suck. No, you'll get it. Go see your sister. Michael, Elliot's son, gets comforted by his younger sister. As another little leaguer steps up to strike the ball, a huge, rumbling drone-like noise enters the air and the dust on the plate begins to shake. Everyone looks up to see a huge shape taking up half the sky as it moves towards downtown LA. Elliot rushes to grab his kids and tries to calm them down before heading to the car and frantically avoiding the chaos and panic that ensues. Okay. Everyone's still with me, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. Do you know what film it is yet? Yes. Ghostbusters 4. (laughs) Ghostbusters 4. (laughs) We then cut to the Oval Office where the president, played by Meryl Streep, is having an emergency (laughs) meeting with the Joint Chief of Staff. They detail several large objects have entered the Earth's atmosphere. No contact with them can be made. How did we not see these things coming? Asked Meryl Streep, the president. (laughs) President I need to know if there's any classified intel that I've not been made aware of. There's an awkward silence. Then, the chief scientist revealed... (laughs) Reveals documentation spanning decades and showing dozens of pictures of a creature, spacecraft, and in some cases, a young boy in a red hoodie. Hello, I'm the chief scientist. (laughs) When were these taken? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 1982. She gives the order to relocate to a safe location after addressing the nation and urging calm. Don't worry, we're not going through the whole film. This is just the, the setup, okay? We then cut to Elliot watching the address as he packs up some belongings. The TV shuts off. Elliot tries to call his sister Gertie. But as he does, the phone service disappears. He can't phone home. <laughs> <laughs> he can't phone home. Um, as they start loading the car, a huge blinding light and horrifying sound knocks them back as they see LA engulfed in flames. They get in the car and drive, trying to head north to more remote locations like Canada and Alaska. Okay, so that's how the film opens. If you haven't guessed it yet, it's a sequel to E.T., okay? Len, so, but Len, we're going this very is dark. magical. We're going very dark. 
and we're going trilogy. Okay, so I just want you to see <laughs> where this is going. I've got a couple of scenes that I want to spell out for you now. Okay, so that's that's the setup. Uh, basically, Elliot, who is played by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, because I think he's got a very similar look to what um, Elliot was as a kid. He's got that sort of dweeby nature to him. <laughs> Uh, takes uh, his son, Michael, who is played by Archie Yates, who's the kid with glasses from Jojo Rabbit, who's awesome. Because oh, I nice. kind of want him to be also kind of like got a bit of charisma, but he's kind of, he's not like a heroic kid. Do you know what I mean? Um, you as a and kid. And their daughter, <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> me as a kid, and their younger daughter, and they start making their way up north. Um, and kind of like War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. there's these little uh, ships that kind of are sort of taking humans, right? And unfortunately, Michael, the boy, the son, gets captured by one of these vessels as they're making their way up north. And Elliot thinks he's lost his son forever. Okay, another scene. The president finds out that her chief science officer, Mr. Scientist, as I called him earlier, was the scientist in charge of the ET experiments in the 80s. He reveals the horrendous... He, I don't know. He reveals <laughs> that says more about the you know the, the military system. system yeah, there, I guess. He, he yeah he reveals the horrendous experiments they did on the creature and its connection with Elliot. The president orders a special ops team to locate Elliot. Okay. After weeks on the run, Elliot and his daughter, distraught from the loss of Michael, hide in a destroyed basement. A smaller craft is deploying robot drones to find more people hiding, as they finally have nowhere else to run. And a cornered, a creature leaves the craft and stumbles towards them in a rotund but imposing suit of armour. As Elliot shields his daughter's eyes, a glow brightens the room. They open their eyes to see an outreached hand and the top of the finger is lit like a beacon. The camera pans up to reveal E.T. Elliot, he says. <laughs> and the screen cuts to black. And that will be, that will be the end of Romania. the second film in the E.T. trilogy. Okay, so that's where I'm at. Um, it's the second installment. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Just to tell you a bit about the credentials of the film. Uh, executive producer is Steven Spielberg. Now, he thought the only person who can handle sequels like this is James Cameron. So... James Cameron tried and t- tried and tested with Alien to Aliens, Terminator to T2. This will be called ET2 Retribution, directed by <laughs> James Cameron. It's a runtime of 136 minutes. And as I said, the <laughs> cast is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Archie Yates, Archie Yates, and the president is Meryl Streep. So I think this has mass appeal. I think this could be the highest grossing film of all time, uh, especially with James Cameron attached because people just flock to the cinema to see this shit. Um, and yeah, that's my pitch, guys. Any questions? Yeah, I'm going to dive in first. I've got two questions for you, Len. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Firstly, why retribution? Because E.T., this is the underlying thing that I couldn't really spell out in this film because a lot of this film is going to be a, a sort of a mystery about the motivations of the aliens. This is what I like about science fiction films, even like Alien, which has now been ruined by the fact that they made Prometheus and they're trying to tell the story of these aliens, right? Uh, We don't know the motivations. So what are the motivations of this race of aliens? We know nothing about them from that first film. We believe them to be nice, but that is just E.T. You know, that is just him. Len, have you ever thought about a career in politics? Go on. Because you answered that question like a politician. 
Boo. And what I mean oh, yeah. is yeah, that well, you I'm didn't answer you it at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, I get I do get where you're coming from. So, well, the other thing I want to know is what what inspired you to make this sequel? Why? Why? Why fuck with ET? Uh, one, one of my favourite genres, science fiction. I drew when I pitched this film in my head. I'm drawing upon some of my favourite blockbuster sci-fi films of all time. War of the Worlds, the original, and I think the remake with Tom Cruise is pretty good. Also pulling on films like uh, Independence Day, which I think is one of the most underrated, awesome movies of all time. Uh, I love stuff like that. And the opportunity to take a darker direction with the sequel was something I was really excited about. Um, Especially because, like I said, James Cameron takes films from one genre and turns them into another. Like... You know, he took Alien, which was a horror film, and turned it into an action epic in Aliens. Terminator is is also a slasher film, essentially, which he then took into another action epic. Uh, this is a completely different direction for him. He's taken a family film, similar to Avatar, I guess, in a way, and turning it into something which is a bit more, you know, uh, Independence Day, summer blockbuster. But I think with his credentials, could be fantastic. So I'm really excited about it. Um and I, you know, I, I just think with the cast attached, I think it's a home run. I'm going to throw it out to our third assistant producer and the costume designer for any further questions on that lens pitch. I have for a question ET for you, then. Retribution. Um, the original, on, <clears throat> excuse me, the original ET. Part of the appeal, I think, is the kind of almost domesticity of it. The fact that you see yeah. Elliot's relationship with his mum, with his sister. At school, it's all very small town. And I think that part of that sort of feeds into the nostalgia and the popularity. What you've mm-hmm. described is very mm-hmm. much on a bigger scale. How are you going Different. to maintain the intimacy of the sort of family relationship? Well, that is the the journey of them fleeing uh, this basically apocalypse, which is happening around them, is where you're going to see the close relationship between Elliot Michael and, their do- and his young younger sister does she have a name basically not yet i'm playing i'm playing with some things uh (laughs) it's open to you know discussion you know but she doesn't have a name yet or i couldn't also cast her because i think she's going to be like six years old and i think it's really difficult i can't lucy's a good name so yeah or or emma okay for the sake of it let's just say lucy uh or emma and basically I that road trip is going to be integral. It's going to be, you know, just those three. Maybe they'll bump into some zany characters along the way. Who knows? Um, but is that's where you're going to see the relationship between between those characters. Like I said, this is taking it in a completely different direction. If we did the same thing again, it wouldn't work. I want to go fully out there and change the dynamic of E.T. Cool. All right. I have a couple of questions, but... Um... <clears throat> Yay, I'm, uh, John! I'm excited. I, I, I'm conscious of uh, of kind of not asking too much because I might kind of reveal my my feelings about kind of a sequel to a film like this before Gaz yeah. pitches. I don't yeah. want him to quickly Question change. Question number one: it. What the yeah. fuck are you doing? <laughs> Honestly, but yeah. no. So um, <laughs> we all know you're voting for Gaz anyway. But let's let's go. So just shoot. That is true. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah. So, first right, question, uh, is it Meryl Streep yeah. playing Meryl Streep? Is it actually just Meryl Streep as, as the president? She's the pres- she's, she's playing the president. So, I'm thinking of something, when I cast Meryl Streep, 
I wanted someone who brings integrity, authority, and has also done a similar role like when she was the head of that fashion magazine in Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> so she's going to be like channeling Miranda Priestley. Correct. She's authoritarian. Okay. She's going to make decisions. But yeah, she's a and that, that's what I like about her. Well. Okay, yeah. Is that the kind of vibe we're going to get? Yeah, she's not afraid. She's not afraid to make the big decisions, Lucy. And in a in an apocalypse situation, that's what you need. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, let me ask a question again. Okay. So, is it Meryl Streep yeah. playing the president, or is uh-huh. it just is it is Meryl Streep now become president of the United States? Ah, oh, very good question. Uh, no, so this is an acting role. Oh. So it isn't as if it's not a Donald Trump situation. <laughs> no. Ronald Reagan. Not happy. A Ronald Reagan. Not happy yeah. With that. Exactly. Yes. But I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, I've changed. Minus one. <laughs> Minus one for me. Okay, cool. Uh, And my second question, I guess, is... Yeah. uh, Describe the themes of the first film to me. Family, friendship, a coming-of-age story. Um, They would be probably what I would say is... And aliens. ...are the most integral. And and aliens and that. Okay, so why have you decided to blow all of that up in a blown-up, awful sequel? (laughs) Literally. Yeah, uh, because, John, I believe that Please. there is a scope within this story to earn a lot of money. And uh, not only that, I do think that I'm a big fan of taking something and turning it into something completely different. And I think sometimes they're my favourite type of films. Not to say they ruin the first film, because they don't. You can still watch that first film in isolation. You can always take... Uh, the original thing and go i don't give a fuck about that thing after it there's so many instances where we've talked about sequels that are bad len this just wants to set the world on isn't fire. going to be bad literally i want to set the world on fire i think this is a fun exciting direction for et um and you know i will happily defend it to the end of the earth and so will james cameron i have another so. question for you len uh before we allow gas to, to pitch his sequel um yeah. elliot's son does does he survive yes this michael film? Does Michael survive this film? Well, that's the trilogy. So Michael, so this is part, so in terms of the trilogy, by the way, this is where it starts coming together because E.T. Uh, has grown up. He's older. Um, <laughs> so what, what's E.T. 3 going to be called? It's going to be called um, the Reckoning. E.T. Home. And uh, it's it's basically E.T., Elliot, uh, working to get Michael back and stop the alien invasion. We, we missed um, the, ti- I missed the, the title. I missed the title there, Len. I think E-T that was the title. E.T. Home. Too long. No, it's called E.T. It's called e. Home. E.T. Home. E.T. Home. Um, so yeah, the aliens that are attacking Earth, uh, are they E.T. aliens? They're correct. the same species. They are. Right. Same brand. They are the same species, correct. Maybe, you know, you t- tie it in with the tie it in with the baseball at the beginning. So E.T. Home Base. Yeah. <laughs> home run E.T. E. Home, e. Run. home run um, no but what yeah so e. what I would say is Yoda. the motivation <clears throat> obviously the scientists uh, the scientists had been performing experiments on E.T. but over the years you actually find out throughout the course of these movies they have been doing dozens maybe even hundreds of experiments on E.T. like beings since 1982 um, the, the the alien race is, is usually uh, not that antagonistic however if pushed they will invade and destroy your planet <laughs> which is where this has come from 
So they are fully hell-bent on destroying the human race. And it's going to take E.T. and Elliot showing their human and alien bond of friendship to stop this invasion. I have, I have one more question. Thank you, Len. Um, I, just last question. So obviously you said yeah. you hated Prometheus and correct. Um, what was uh, what was the sequel to Independence Day? What was that called? Oh, resur- Resurrection. Yeah, no one remembers. Anyway, that's it. That's that's all I wanted to ask. <laughs> uh, Lucy, <laughs> any final questions from um, you? Not really a question. How much money did it make? No, I don't think so. I think. No. Well, do you know? Like John said, I don't want to say too much without giving away my position. So, indeed, you, indeed. Well, mm. Len, thank mm. you for your pitch. Uh, we'll, we'll give that due consideration, uh, as is the format of not all sequels are created equal. Um, so no no pressure here, Gaz, but it is your turn to pitch us your sequel. Take the floor. Um, all right. I'm in a situation where I am praying to God that you have seen this film. Um not the sequel. Oh, the sequel hasn't been made yet. Um, is it some kind of say, random anime? I would say it, you should. I would say most people would have seen it, but uh, <sighs> I'll also I'll also what? admit. Yeah. Um, I said this to Len the other day. If we were doing how the fuck have you not seen that about two years ago, this would have appeared on there for me. Um, oh no. So I think I think it is more mainstream than I realised. Um, and I'm hoping that's the case. Okay. Got- I'm interested I'm to see what this is because I was confused when you said this. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. All right, let me let me let me go through it, and um, we'll see. We'll see how we go. So we start off with um, with a couple watching couple <laughs> couple watching TV at night, um, and it's some some sort of eighties movie. I'm I'm sure, and um, behind them. Uh, their their daughter, little girl, comes down the stairs. Maybe maybe about seven or eight years old. Um, we see her sort of coming down in the background in her PJs, and um, the mum turns around. But Molly, Molly, what are you doing up? She says, oh, "I can't sleep. I can't sleep." Will, will you read read me a bedtime story, Daddy? The dad sighs. He's like, "Yes, of course, my Buttercup, the uh, the usual story." And Molly's excited. She's like, "Yes, please." Um, so they head up to, to Molly's room and um, Molly's room is, is very medieval fantasy themed. Um, you know, you've got your your princesses and knights and um, castles and dragons and stuff. And um, anyway, she, uh, she jumps into bed enthusiastically and her dad grabs the book from the shelf and passes it to Molly and says, you know, all right, one, find what page we're up to. Um, bookmarks obviously don't exist in this uh, in this world but uh, we'll ignore that molly flicks through the book and um as she's flicking through it she's she she goes daddy what's uh what's this bit here and he, he has a look and he's confused how has he never noticed this he's had this book for over 30 years we realize that the dad is uh, is fred savage um and he taps the end of the book and it's it's thick at the end um and suddenly it sort of opens up and there's a secret compartment and there's a a book a smaller book hidden within the book it's called 
Princess Bride Part 2. And he goes, do you know, your great-granddad read this to me when I was about your age, and I never knew that there was any more to this story. And he is in absolute disbelief. Molly is beside herself with excitement. She's an absolute fever pitch at this point. And they start to read. Coincidentally, the story picks up about 30 years after the events of the first Princess Bride film. Uh, But this is when the titles come up. It is The Princess Bride 2. Buttercup and Wesley uh, Westley live comfortably on a large farm in uh, a, t- a, a nation called Everdale, which is a, a country that's a few days' ride from Florin, um, the original setting of the, or the setting of the original film, of course. Um, but we are thirty years down the track, and marriage and contentment haven't been particularly kind to the couple. Buttercup tirelessly runs the farm and she manages the half a dozen workers that the family have employed. And Westley runs a sword training school for kids, um, which is something that he's lost all passion for. Um, He's still prodigiously talented, uh, incredible swordsman, but he's also arrogant, he's lazy, and he's overweight. Um, He is somebody who now still kind of thirsts for adventure, but he lacks the drive to actually seek it. Um, His his sword fighting school, which was once hugely popular, is now just somewhere for a few of the local villagers to leave their kids for an hour or two a week. Um, We then have sort of scenes cutting back to to Molly and her dad in modern times. and you know Molly asking questions like, "But didn't didn't Buttercup and Wesley go on wonderful adventures with Inigo and Fezzik um, after they left Humperdinck's castle?" And Dad is he doesn't know. He's, he's this is the first time he's ever read this story. He's like, I, th- I thought so, but but Grandpa never read me this this part. I, d- I don't know. We will have to read on. And so we cut back to the story, and we see Wesley at his sword fighting school. Some of the drills that he set the kids. Uh, he's he cannot be asked with this job. He's sitting back whilst the the kids are like stabbing pumpkin-headed scarecrows. Um, some of the scarecrows are completely disintegrated. It's just a pumpkin on a pile of mouldy rags, and you know it's, it's it's funny. We get like you know little kids stabbing at a pumpkin, and they're like, oh, "Mr. Wesley, I think my opponent's dead now." And Wesley is just like, oh, "Keep going. You can't be certain. Keep stabbing the pumpkin." Um, so he sits back and just sort of reads his books about pirates and whatever else you do in medieval times when you're, you're bored. But this uh, this lack of passion has also infiltrated the couple's marriage. So uh, if <laughs> no, if you uh, well, yes, actually, yes. if you remember the uh, the Princess Bride at the end, they are an incredibly passionate couple. Like that, that's the whole thing is they are just madly, deeply in love. Um, but we see thirty years on that has that that romance has faded. Wesley's more interested in correct. Wesley's more interested in drinking in the local tavern and spending time with his wife, whilst Buttercup is too exhausted from. Uh, from running the farm and managing all the staff 
to to actually care particularly that Wesley isn't there. But one day Buttercup decides she's had enough and she says, that's it, I'm off. I'm going to go stay with my parents for a while. I, I think I, I need to think things through. I need to decide what I want because this is not what I imagined. Wesley responds, as you wish, uh, which fans of the original film will uh, enjoy. <laughs> um, and he doesn't lift a finger. She packs and leaves for Florin. Uh, soon after, Wesley receives a letter with the mark of the Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, he smiles knowingly. It's his old friend, Inigo Montoya, who will be visiting him in the next few days, according to the letter. That sparks him into life and he marches around, tries to get the property ready. He's got his best mate coming to visit him. Um, so he's barking orders at the workers. Quickly, we must get everything in order before Inigo arrives. And uh, one of the workers is sort of standing there lazily up against a post of some sort. He's like, come on, man, what are you doing? Get re- everything ready for Inigo. He's going to be coming soon. And Inigo responds, I think you might be a little bit late for that. Um, that's a Spanish accent. Uh, <laughs> Wesley and Inigo embrace warmly. There's a bit of gentle ribbing about you know, Wesley putting on weight and Inigo's hair has gone grey. It's all good fun. So they settle down, have a drink and everything to catch up. And Wesley asks um, how Inigo's feeling about Fezzik's passing. Have, have the years made it easier? Um, and uh, we cut back to the father and daughter back in modern times and there's obviously a bit of sadness about Fezzik passing away and that, that knowledge coming to the fore. Um, then we cut back to the story and Inigo says, Ah, once upon a time I allowed dreams of vengeance to dominate my life. Today I choose the memory of my love for Fezzik to live a life he'd be proud of. <laughs> that said, if I ever see that one woman... Oh, sorry. Let me start that again. <laughs> that said, if I ever see that one-eyed woman again, I will ensure that she never sees another sunrise. Speaking of dangerous women, where is your lovely wife? Wesley explains the marital challenges and that she's gone home for a bit. There's a look of panic on, on Anigo's face. He explains that he's just come through Florin and it's unbelievably dangerous at the moment. Um, after Humperdinck's humiliation years ago at the hands of, of this, this gang, he limply abandoned his post as prince and that left a power vacuum which has been filled over the years by a range of unpleasant rulers, often being usurped by ambitious, opportunistic young men. This was definitely a time of transition in Florin, with the latest horrible leader being violently challenged by another horrible usurper and all-out war has erupted. Anyway, from this point, we have um, a relatively typical, but very much in keeping with the original Princess Bride, adventure to go and and try and save Buttercup from the turbulent Florin. Um, But there are some twists in here. Um, She is, upon her arrival in Florin, she's pretty soon recognised as the short-lived princess of years ago and amasses quite the following herself. Um, the two authoritarian leaders that are at war at the moment kind of end up wiping out each other's followings um, with the help of Wesley and Inigo kind of um, causing trouble themselves. It includes an inconceivable Inconceivable return of Vecini, who was actually, it turns out, put into a deep coma by the poison of the original film. Um, He's now an advisor to the latest usurper, uh, this latest usurper is a woman with one eye. 
in a showdown with Inigo later on in the film, he removes her other eye off camera, of course. We're going to keep this relatively PG uh, <laughs> so that she will never see another sunrise. But she, he does allow her to live. Um, that comes after the latest dictator has been killed, which leaves another pa- uh, power vacuum, which Buttercup reluctantly fills, promising peace and fairness for all Florinians. Um, now, here's the interesting thing. Buttercup and Wesley don't get back together. Um, Cutting back to modern times, Molly is distraught at this. She can't understand how this can be. But uh, in much the same way that the original Princess... um, What's this film called? Uh, Princess Bride. I nearly said Princess Diaries. That's a very different film. We're not doing that. Um, Yeah, Princess Bride. In much the same way that that sort of taught a young Fred Savage, you know, that not all stories have to be about sports and killing and stuff. This is kind of teaching Molly that um, not all fairy tales end with romantically involved couples. Um, they do they do leave on excellent terms. Um, Inigo, looking for a slightly more stable life, takes the role of head of Florin's new Buttercup Loyal Army. Um, just one little bit of dialogue towards the end as well for you um, is he says uh, he says to Wesley, uh, I heard a rumor that I don't know where he's from now, but I heard a rumor <laughs> that the dead pirate Roberts was now slightly overweight and in his fifties. And Wesley replies, "You know what they say, Inigo? Nothing instills fear in enemies quite like an overweight man in his fifties." To which Inigo replies. I do not think that is something they say. And Wesley says, Not yet, Inigo. Not yet. As Wesley rides off, he puts the old black mask back on. Back to today and Molly is full of questions. What happens next? Is Buttercup a great leader? Is Wesley really going to be the Dread Pirate Roberts again? Her dad says he's not sure. Perhaps that story hasn't been written yet. Molly gets under the cover and goes to sleep, and her dad heads downstairs. As he sits down on the sofa, his wife calls out, Honey, can you take the bins out, please? He sighs. End film. Gareth, thank you. Yeah, well done. For that. Can we, can we shorten Incredibly these detailed next pitch. time? <laughs> um, I have one, <laughs> one quick question for the audience. I'm assuming uh, that we've all seen the, the cult classic, The Princess Bride, right? I have not seen this film. Right, so I was so I, I was looking no at Len and I anything that's going on right now. Either Len has not seen it. I was it just hearing or he's afraid he's gonna lose. No, I I was like, if it's something when he started talking about princess stuff, I was like, Well, the girls, you know, you're probably gonna vote for it. But I was like, Okay. <laughs> I've never seen this film. film. Also, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Joking. Uh but I I honestly have never seen this film. That's mad. Though, uh, okay. You should have seen How the fuck have so, you not seen that? And watch it. Yeah. So, I don't know, Humperdinck and Wesley and Buttercup. I was just listening to it. I was like, this sounds crazy. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Okay. But, you know, fair play. If that's if that's a film. <laughs> if that exists, the, then... You know, I don't know. You'd enjoy well, it. That exists. Len, what, you'd enjoy have you not heard it. of it, Len? Have you not heard of The Princess? No, I've heard I've, I've heard of it. I've heard of that of, of Princess Diaries as well. I've definitely <laughs> heard same, that. I know Len. Princess Bride. He's definitely seen Very The Princess different. Diaries. Um, um, well, Len, you, your homework yeah. is to go and watch The Princess Bride right. because it is a, a classic piece of, homework, of so. film. Good Sunday um, film. 
too busy with James. Me and James are making ET too, so don't worry about it. That's how, uh, that's I don't how think that's going to get the. That's, uh... that's, we'll see. <laughs> so, uh, my team of of judges here for our pitches. Who would like to fire out some questions first? I yeah, have a question. Oh, oh, sorry. Go on, Liz. Oh, it's just um, you didn't mention cast, Gaz. So just for like Wesley, yep. Ineo, yep. um, Buttercup. Who are you thinking? Yeah, all all original cast. Oh wow! Um, so Mandy Patinkin, Mandy Patinkin, oh, can't be bothered to cast. Mandy Patinkin's back in. Um, Wallace Shawn is back playing Vicini, which is which is iconic. Um, there is one important character that I thought I'd mention though, the one-eyed woman. Um, oh, yeah. I envisaged her as being Daryl Hannah, um, and not ah. just because she's already played <laughs> a one-eyed woman. Slots right in. Yeah, she knows how to do it. Uh, but yeah, I thought... Um, um, so everybody else is the same. Another question, just in the original, obviously you've got like the rodents of unusual size and there's quite some fun puppetry. Big fan of that at the moment. Are you going to have CGI or are you going to go a bit more the like homespun route? route? We're going to try to capture the the homespun, slightly, almost slightly budget feel of the original film. Um, I think that's part of what makes it such a classic is that it um it doesn't take itself it doesn't take itself too seriously um so i want to capture that um i also have questions on the cast um so is there room for any more like wrestlers to make up for the fact that yes. andre the giant is obviously dead can we get some yeah, more sorry. wrestlers did involved? I not, did I not mention um, The Undertaker plays uh, Buttercup's <laughs> daughter? Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Uh, no, I hadn't thought about it, but it's certainly open for, uh, for being some wrestler cameos, um, yes. Is there potential to write a character for Pedro Pascal, like, you know, maybe the nephew yeah. of Inigo? Because they're, they're very similar. Or he could be one of the dictators that fills the spot in Florin. Put him in the film is my suggestion. I agree with John. Yeah, I, totally. I, there is there is always room for him in any film. I, I presume that he's making a, an appearance in ET to rep, yeah. retribution he's as well. He's playing ET. He he actually he is. isn't. He's over. He's overcast. He's overcast. He's overcast. Um, not, not, no, but he's not in there. Um, Len, you wouldn't know because you haven't seen this film, um, which is disappointing. But uh, Inigo Montoya, it's it's almost like that role. It, he he absolutely would have played that if that film was made today. You're oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yes, let's get him in. I agree. I think you're going to need to because I mean, okay, a lot of the cast are still alive, but you know, there's no Tom Cruise in this film. <laughs> I don't even know. So... No, I mean, look, Ker- Kerry Elwes. Is it Elwes? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't Elwes? know. You you. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he Ewell's. doesn't look yeah. like that anymore. <laughs> No, well, there you go. Perfect, right? Which is the, is the um, point, I guess. That's the point. Um, you're right. It's not... But I don't think we're talking a huge budget, mega um, income type of movie. This is this is a... It's a follow-up to... I hesitate in calling it a cult classic because I think this has I think got... It, uh, I think it is a cult classic. Pretty... Yeah, it's I would got, call it a cult classic. I was going to say, I've not seen this film. 
but it sounds like a Netflix film, like much like The Dark Crystal was redone on Netflix, um, which was it. See, it sounds like this to me. It sounds like this is going straight onto Netflix. Well, I was going to, um, um, I was going to ask about you know what audience you think this is is pitched towards, Gans, because it, it is a cult classic. Um, but over the years, a lot more people have have pulled themselves the money, into it? the sphere. But I think it would be popular if perhaps you had somebody to to pull it in like a bit of Pedro. Pedro. Well, look, I mean this so this this is one of those films that um so I was trying to remember the exact name of it, but it got entered into it got inducted into the National Film Registry of America, which basically deems it culturally, historically or aesthetically significant. That's that is with films like ET and um, yeah, stand by me, like the, those sorts of. That's the type of level film that it it's reached now. I think at the time it was maybe a slow burn, but it's um, it's definitely become a massive film over the years. Um, I was going to say, I, th- I think this is a film that will absolutely appeal to the people who watched it originally, the people who have watched it since. Because let's be fair, this wasn't this didn't this came out in like eighty seven or something, so it wasn't made for us. But 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 eighty percent of us have watched it. Um, people our age group will love watching a sequel to this, um, as well as our kids. And I think I just don't see anybody that misses out on this film. Yeah, I mean maybe if we could get like I do I, I miss Timothy out Chalamet's like just the gardener or something. Go oh yeah oh yeah he's in it. <laughs> yeah. So there you go sorted. He's in it. He's yeah. in it. Um, yeah. Well look we can pander if we want but. I think um, that's what they're doing with the other film. film. Fucking hell, they're having to. <laughs> well, um, Gaz, this is this is your film, Gaz. So, do you want to pander to big blockbusters, or do you want to remain true as a sequel to The Princess Bride? Look, I I think I think this is the sort of film where there will be a lot of massive actors today. No, he's dead. That love this film. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's out, sadly. Um, so Len, it had it had Andre the Giant in it, the original. I know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you've heard that bit, have you? In this podcast, from John. <laughs> <laughs> in this podcast. Yeah. Um, but there'll be so many actors will have this as like one of their favorite films as they were growing up or whatever. Um, so I think there could be great scope to get some of those big hitters in. Um, to just even just play a cameo, play, have a cameo. You don't want role. too many like cheesy cameos, though. I will say, it's like literally, what are you doing here? Like, no, you but want you will, it to you be will have a lot. Of, what are you doing? You have a lot of actors that be like, oh, I love that film. I'd love to be in it. Oh, Dwayne Johnson, do you want to be in this because you loved Andre the Giant? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No cast him. Yeah, yeah. definitely get him involved. involved. No, um, the Rock's not in it, sadly. But um, uh, I'm out. But Pascal well, might be. In, so he's in ET too. <laughs> um, <laughs> he plays ET. That's making the big bucks. Who's uh, who's doing the soundtrack, guys? Oh, we got Hans Zimmer. Yeah, well, we're, we're not we're not doing that. We we're getting we're getting um we're getting fucking what are they called? Um, Mark Knopfler and um, Dire Straits. Um, Dire Straits to do it because he did the original Knopfler on his own, I think. But um, yeah. we'll get the band back together. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Oh God. Sultans of Swing. So we've got what we've got here is we've got a big budget action movie with The Rock trilogy or trilogy potential trilogy. I wouldn't have thought so. 
I don't think think The Rock can do any of this film. Without The Rock. But with a soundtrack by Hans Zimmer, obviously, directed... Obviously, uh, and produced. Epic. We've got James Cameron in there. Uh, you know, big, big, big budget. Find James Cameron, la 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 Big la, la, budget la. flick uh, yep. that will appeal to to certain tastes, but also uh, a sequel to a much loved standalone film, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, uh, up to, against yeah. a sequel to a cult classic masterpiece with a soundtrack by Mark Knopfler in the Dire Straits. Uh, original cast. And possibly a role by Pedro Pascal. Oh, I will just say as well, we, we're giving Rob Reiner gets first dibs on this, obviously. Um, but I did blah, 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 do blah, my blah. research and come <laughs> up with an alternative, just in case he doesn't fancy it. But but Brian Helgeland, um, who did, amongst other things, um, and you know this isn't a great film, but you can probably see where I'm going. He did A Knight's Tale. Um, oh, which I like that okay. film. Kind of, yeah. It, but it's yeah, it's not bad. But it's sort of got that similar similar vibe, like you know, slightly tongue in cheek medieval fantasy stuff. <laughs> so as as is tradition, uh, after one episode, now the second episode of not all sequels are created equal. Uh, what we will do is go around around the team uh, with our thoughts and our votes for which sequel uh, will get I'm made. Nervous now. In our in oh, our magical I wouldn't world be. Of sequels. I think you've got all three votes, Gareth. I think well, we'll uh, I can tell. I'll, I'll kick us off. Uh, I will say, I will say, Len, that um, there's a lot of a lot of thought in your pitch, uh, and I have just recently watched uh, Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. That's terrible. Feel... It's going to be way better than that. It's going to be <laughs> Len, way better than that. Len, <laughs> you've had your pitch. I'd like you to be quiet now, please. Tomorrow War's um, garbage. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed Tomorrow War, and uh, what I liked about it is um, I read a review that I think nailed my opinion is that it's like a McDonald's cheeseburger. You know exactly mm-hmm. what you're going to get. You're going to enjoy it exactly. even if it's a bit shit. Um, I and I feel, yeah, who doesn't? I mean, it's not gourmet food. So but it ticks your boxes, Double cheeseburger. Right? And I enjoy a good old action flick. And I feel that although you may be taking a film of much love in my memory and doing something different with it which is your which is your prerogative as a screenwriter uh that this is what et2 retribution will be uh given that it you know it, it's it's going to be a an action flick with your, your classic storylines um yeah gaz you're you're very well thought out passionate pitch uh, of a cult classic that has a very special place in my heart uh, I think may have picked Len to the post uh, for the nostalgia um, I, I'm a massive fan yes. of Princess Bride and I may actually watch it again tonight um, Mandy Patinkin is one of my favourite actors for no other reason than he's just ridiculous um, inconceivable <laughs> exactly um, and I think that uh, you, you would get you would get a good a good response from the world uh, with the Princess Bride too, uh, and therefore I'm I'm sorry, Len, uh, Gaz, you get my vote. Thank you, Emma Phillips. You are most welcome. Um, Lucy, would you like to give your opinions next? Sure. Um, congratulate both of you for putting so much effort into your pitches. Um, both the films that you're doing sequels to, I love both of them. And they're both in that same category of like nostalgic coming of, not coming of age, but just I remember watching when I was young. 
But I think, to be fair, Len, I think I've seen the film you're trying to make. A lot of what you've said is a lot, is a lot like War of the Worlds. But when you mentioned War of the Worlds, a lot of what you were describing in the plot, I was like, that happens in War of the Worlds, that happens in War of the Worlds. I don't want to see a sequel to E.T. that is a blockbuster action film. That's my personal yeah. opinion because that's not that's in the fine. spirit of the original. Um, Gaz, I love The Princess Bride and I love what you've done with it with regards to the storytelling and how you said about Fred Savage's character learns that not all fairy tales are about, you know, love and mushy stuff and how his daughter learns that they don't all have happy endings. So I like the thought put in that. What would I want to see? And I want to see the sequel to Princess Bride. So I'm going to go for Gaz. Thank you, Lucy. You're welcome. Uh, uh, last but not least, John, you're let off can the hook we have a little bit. the opinions of Johnny Weinstein? Uh... <laughs> don't call him that. No, sorry. Uh, John. John, uh, you're up last. Uh, your vote means nothing at this point, but I'm still interested to hear your opinions to make sure we have a full house. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to stick the knife in a little bit here. So um, I, I was very nervous when Gaz did his little monologue that he was also going to do E.T. Um, I was about to. Because yeah. like, yeah. I wouldn't have voted for anyone. I think it's a terrible idea to, to remake E.T., and and the and the idea. Of- I, I just want to say, John, I was just trying to have fun with it. Does it mean you know? I'm just trying to have some fun. Len, 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 Len. Just listen. You're better than this. Like the, <laughs> half fun. of what you're saying is just <laughs> War of the Worlds. And ironically, I yeah. was listening to Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds just before jumping onto this pod to kind of get great my soundtrack. energy levels up. Yeah, great soundtrack. You're taking like everything about ET that nostalgia. If you just removed all of that and went, right, Michael Bay, stick some robots in there, let's redo this nope, film. James Cameron. So You'd be like, this is a terrible idea. Um, you're better than that. You're a lot better than that. Um, so I, I think you, you're on to a loser after that anyway. Um, and yeah, I mean, you said a lot of what Gaz was saying in terms of the, the story was quite similar. <laughs> so what? It's, it's a sequel. Uh, it, it has to have some connection to the first film. You know, if you, if you turn around and go, right, E.T. is this, and then the second film is like, right, what we're going to do 30 years later is just completely change the genre, you'd be like, what the fuck? This is not a sequel. This is a reboot, and it's a terrible one. So, yeah, um, I, I look forward to your pitches in the future because I think I think there's something there, but definitely not with E.T. So... Yeah, it's uh, yeah. another I, for The Princess I, Bride, unfortunately. In defence of myself, I tried to have fun with something. I tried to take something and turn it into something else because I think that's more creative in my mind. And then I, I know I did uh, completely, like I said, pastiche, uh, essentially, War of the Worlds, Independence <laughs> yeah. Day, uh, A Quiet Place <laughs> 2. My favourite science fiction influences, to be honest with you, since when I was growing up watching blockbusters. Uh, so I completely respect your opinion and decision. Before we break up the entire podcast crew, uh, what I will say is that something great has come out of this, which, uh, Len, you, you will enjoy watching The Princess Bride so much. Not going to watch it, it out of spite now. I feel like Give it a week it to get over your loss and then watch The Princess Bride because watching that for the first time is a magical experience that I'm so, so jealous that you get to experience again. Uh, but what we'll do now, I think, is is move on 
uh, to say well done Gaz so at the moment we have uh, in the lead one point to Lucy and one point to Gaz in not all sequels are created equal and next month the underdogs Unbelievable. next what? month it now <laughs> remains to be seen who will be pitching against I assume me as I've not yet pitched um, have we organised who the second picture is for the third episode of Not All Sequels Are Created Equal? We're very unorganised, so that has not been organised. Will it be me or John? Uh, so, I reckon there will be a surprise, be John. surprise contender again up against me uh, next month. But thank you very Easy much win. to both of our aspiring screenwriters, <laughs> uh, Len and That's Gaz. what you thought about me, so don't be yeah. so well, sure. It would have yeah. been. It would have been loose. <laughs> Your film was quite good. I'm not sure that this format is a great idea for the longevity <laughs> of us as a podcasting team. I'm slightly no, concerned it's fine. about, well, everyone really right now. <laughs> Sorry, I sound very emotional. Don't um, worry, you're making Emma cry. <clears throat> Yeah, stop making me cry. I'm having a hard time. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this uh, this episode. I just hope that John and Len and Gaz all speak to each other again at some point. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Things have quietened down. Um, thank you also to uh, my executive team of costume designers, producers, and me making the best tea uh, for voting. Gaz has one final note for us before we do all the formalities. We are so happy to hear differing views if people think that lens et reboot is a smashing idea please let us know if uh, if you disagree with the panel please let us know i don't think yeah. anybody's going to say my princess bride is a terrible idea but if you do let us know we are happy to hear those views um just uh you know be prepared to explain yourself but um but yeah let us yes know. love differing views love the support that the new shows are getting. If you do want to support us further, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash fan critical uh, and donate some dollary dues to the fan critical podcast cause. Uh, that money allows us to uh, basically make these sorts of shows, um, hosting costs, all of that jazz. We have a new Patreon. Thank you to Sam Edelstein. Thank you very much uh, for your donation. Um, Thanks, Sam. Know that you uh, started listening to us, uh, I think you said, through the Watchmen, um, Watchmen Watchers podcast, which was myself, John and Gaz, uh, and then have found the other content through that. Uh, that was a great time covering a fantastic show so glad you enjoyed those podcasts and i hope you like uh the new sort of watchman-esque podcast in 60 minutes to midnight so thank you for uh, your support len um, if people yeah. want to get in touch to give us feedback on anything if they want to do it on facebook how do they find us they just search fan critical on facebook you can All go right, to Insta. fan underscore yeah fan underscore critical or at Fan Critical Pod on Twitter. That's at Fan Critical Pod. Uh, the best way to send us detailed feedback is either leave us a review on iTunes or uh, in the show notes, there will also be all of those links to the Facebook, the Instagram, whatever. But you can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. That's at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to see what's coming up next in our schedule, you can find that on our social media channels. Uh, next week, we will be... <laughs> <coughs> next week, we will be talking about the new Black Widow film. And then we've got 60 yeah, Minutes we... to Midnight and something old, something new coming up later this month, as well as other exciting things in our back catalogue. So all that remains to say is thank you 
to the panel and the pitchies uh, from today's Not All Sequels Are Created Equal. And uh, before a friendship of 30 years between Gaz and Len is destroyed, I think it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Inconceivable. Bye.